Alright, so this is a new series. We're going to do this for about five weeks here. It's called, as you can see on the screen, The One Year Bible. And the idea, as we've been talking about over a number of months, is that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not just something you say or a mantle you take on, but it's something that involves actions. There's actions that flow out of our lives and habits that we need to engage in. We've talked many times about the habits of discipleship. And reading the Bible is one habit. And so we're going to talk about that for a few weeks and not just talk at you, but we really want this to be interactive. We want it to be encouraging an opportunity for everybody to grow, start this habit even. And so that's really the focus. The focus of this series is that we want each person, each one of you, to have a habit of reading the Bible regularly. Maybe sounds like a lofty goal. I think it kind of is. And for a lot of you, this is kind of intuitive, isn't it? You can follow Jesus, you should read the Bible. Yeah, it is kind of intuitive, but I think anyone who says, maybe, I need a refresher. Why do we do this? Or why would Christians want to do this? Well, we're going to do a little review. Why should we read the Bible? Well, the first question I think we've got to answer is, what, what is the Bible? And we could get into all kinds of technical things and all sorts of, that's this many books and this many things and authors. and you can, go, you can find that research on the internet. I'm not going to go over it today, but I just want to talk about a couple of things that the Bible is. The first thing that the Bible is, it is God's instruction manual for us. Anyone ever go to Ikea? Yeah. People complain all the time about, oh, I have to put together Ikea furniture. Well, you know, if you follow the instructions, it's really not that hard. I think most people get turned around because they go, I don't want the instructions, I just want to put it together. I've done that myself. <laughs> but what does the Bible say about itself being an instruction manual? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, that's the Bible, all scripture is God-breathed to come out of the mouth of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That sounds like an instruction manual to me. But it's more than just an instruction manual of do this and don't do that and follow this. It's the truth about the truth. Well, what is the truth? Capital T, John 14, 6. Jesus answered and he said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said about himself, he said, I am the truth. So is the Bible the truth, capital T? No. It's the truth about the truth. It's the truth about Jesus. And yes, I think all of the Bible is about him. Yes, even when we get outside of the Gospels that are his story, the Old Testament is preparation and prophecy and all kinds of great principles for us that flow through Jesus and then all of the books after talk to us about how to live in light of his gospel and his good news. And so the Bible is a foundational element of being a disciple of Christ. Why? Because it's the truth about him. It's the truth about the truth. We must not neglect, we must not neglect its instructions to us. And that's a really hard thing to do in this culture, isn't it? I don't know if you guys noticed that. If you look around, I mean, this week there were some things that happened in our culture, even in our city, that were surprising to me. Where Christians who say, I follow the truth, would rather side with things going on in the culture than the truth about the truth. 
This is what we have, folks. We have the Bible. It is the truth about the truth. And if we neglect what it says and say, you know what, I'd rather have what the culture says about the truth. And I think there's another caution here is that sometimes we want to listen to what people say. So we want to listen to what people say about the truth about the truth. So I always caution you, even when you listen to me, I'm just talking about the truth about the truth. But there's so many people who sit in my shoes, and I, God forbid, I don't ever want to be this way, but there's so many, and they fill their walls with books, and the books are people who are giving an opinion about what someone else said about something about the truth about the truth. And they come to conclusions, and they go, and they'll sit in a room for two years, and they'll come out at the end and say, we're going to side with the culture instead of the truth about the truth. And so I just declare to you, this church, we're never going to do that. Amen? And that's my rant. All right. How should we use the Bible? How should we use the Bible? Well, we should read the Bible this way. We should read it as our spiritual battle gear. Ephesians 6, 13 and 17 says this, Put on the full armor of God. And there's an action involved in that, isn't there? Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our armor. These are our weapons. The Bible is our primary offensive weapon against evil and against falsehood. It says it right there. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Again, we must not neglect its instruction to us, lest we become someone who says, I'll go into battle, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use my sword. Why would you lay down your weapon? We're not gonna lay it down. So here's how we should read the Bible. First and foremost, we should read it daily. Have you guys ever heard that statement? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Does anyone know any of you musicians? Know? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Right? There's a whole, a whole joke and story about that. But there's a truth, I think, that applies to the Bible. We cannot become adept at wielding the sword of truth unless we practice. <coughs> unless we practice. What does it take to make a habit? Not a bad habit. I think bad, for whatever reason, bad habits, we just kind of fall into them. What does it take to make a good habit? Practice. Relentless practice. Sacrifice. (coughs) Regularity. And for the Bible, my suggestion, and this is just what I've seen work its way out in my life and other people's lives, when you read the Bible daily, it becomes a habit and it begins to affect you. How else should we read the Bible? We should read it in its entirety. No, I don't mean you've got to sit there and go from cover to cover, but you should not neglect any piece 
of the Bible. Yes, even Chronicles, even Leviticus, even the genealogies have something to say to us. They're part of God's instruction manual. We should read them. I love how D.L. Moody puts it. Put it. He said, cling to the whole Bible, not a part of it. A man is not going to do much with a broken sword. Don't neglect part of the Bible. Read it in its entirety, because it is God's inspired word. We also should read the Bible with an eye towards personal application. We don't just say, oh, it's the truth about the truth. While it is, it has application to my life. That would be the point of reading the Ikea instructions and going, oh, that's nice, and I'll just kind of go try to build this thing myself. We have to apply what it says. Psalm 119.11, as it says on the screen, I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you, God. There's a reason. We have to apply these things personally. Daily, we should be asking ourselves, what's God trying to speak to me through this? We have this amazing tool that can change our lives and we need to ask ourselves, what is it saying to me today? So we have a little acronym to help you when you read the Bible. This is a very simple one. You start with the scripture. You read the scripture. and I think a very good technique is to write it down. You take the scripture and you write it down. What is that scripture saying? It could be one verse. It could be several verses in a row. It could be some that relate to each other, however you want to do it. Then you make an observation. Hmm, what do I notice about this passage? And from that observation, you make an application. Ah, here's what the Spirit is speaking to me of what I should do with this. And then finally you pray and you say, Lord, help me to do this. Help me to understand. Help me to change maybe in places I need to change. Grow in places I need to go. Grow, be encouraged in places I need to be encouraged. So we call that the SOAP approach. See the acronym? Got it. All right. How else should we read the Bible? We should read it intending to share the truth with others. We talk about this verse a lot, don't we? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Where are we going to get Jesus' commands? From the Bible. How are we ever going to know those commands if we don't read the Bible? How will we then furthermore teach those commands to anyone else if we don't ever take them into our life? Some of you know this about me. I have the the privilege, responsibility, duty, I don't know what it is, but I teach grammar and writing once a week in uh, our kids' homeschool group. And so I take fourth to sixth graders and I teach them grammar and writing. Now, writing has always come very naturally to me. Uh, my parents are actually both authors. I don't know if they just sort of built that into me or what. I've never really had a real problem. Writing has always been very intuitive, so that's been very easy to teach. But English grammar is not my thing. I think somehow I skipped that year in school where they tell you what a noun, a pronoun, a verb, and an adverb. I, I didn't know what those things were when I started this. I said, I'll teach. That sounds good. I want to be involved. I have no idea anything about English grammar. 
so do you think I've just stood up there and said, oh, let's just uh, pretend like I know what I'm talking about? No. What did I have to do? I had to go study and learn English grammar. And I'm still learning it as I go. But it's the same principle. Jesus says, teach others to obey everything I have commanded you. If you have children or someday you may have children, you have to teach them what he has commanded. If you don't read the word of God, how do you know what he has commanded? You don't. You would be like me trying to teach grammar without ever studying up on grammar that I didn't know. We don't want to do that. Alright, so now let's talk a little bit about this series. This series that we call the One Year Bible, and what we're going to talk about, we have some goals. And I want everybody to know what those goals are because everybody's going to participate, Lord willing, by His grace. Our first goal is that each person in our church would be reading the Bible daily. Okay, now this is not legalistic. I'm not going to make a chart. We're not going to put stars on it that say, Oh, hey, Greg read Monday and Tuesday and he failed on Wednesday and Thursday, so no gold stars for him. We're not doing that. We're not keeping track. If you feel like in your life you want to make a calendar and put your own gold stars and your own note, you're welcome to do that. We're not going to tell you to do that. It's not what it's about. We're interested in the goal. We're interested in the end result, which is each one of us being rooted and grounded in God's commands and principles for our lives found in the Word. And so how are we going to do that? We want to use the one-year Bible. This. Now, again, this is not a legalistic thing. Some of you are following Christ and you say, I have my own plan for reading. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. But for those of you who are like, well, maybe it's kind of gotten a little stale, or maybe I've really fallen off of having that as a habit, or I've never read the Bible daily in my life. Here's a place to start. It's the one-year Bible. We don't really promote books, but this is what we're doing. So how do I get this? You go, that that looks like a shiny, nice, wrapped up. You may have noticed as we come through the hall that there are hard copies, just like this one, sitting in the hallway. And... They're for you. If you say, I'm going to go read the Bible daily, and this would motivate me to have a nice, shiny new book, or maybe I've never had one, or I don't know, I, I really like a hard copy. It's the New Living Translation. It's just the one that we picked to use. You can take one. If you'll read it, take one on your way out and take it home. You can unwrap I mean, obviously you got to unwrap it. If you come back next week and it's still wrapped in the wrapper, I'm going to be like, what was the point of that? <laughs> unwrap it, read it, mark in it, love it. Rip the cover off. Whatever you got to do, it's there for you. It's free if you'll read it, like it says on the screen. Now, some of you are a little bit more electronic. I get that. I am too. I like to use my phone, my iPad, whatever I've got. A couple ways you can get it. There's a number of ways to get it. Here's two on the screen. One is gccweb.org. GCC, Great Commission Churches. That's the association, the movement this church is part of. Every day there is a journal. It's called the Faith Walkers Journal. If you go to this link, you'll see it. One of the pastors or pastor's wives or missionaries, someone in our movement has written a short 300-word or less journal entry about a passage of Scripture. I like to read that every day because I know a number of those people and then I, I feel like I connect with them, but it helps soften my heart before I read the scripture. At the bottom it lists, here are the one-year reading passages. Now if you've never used the one-year Bible, the way the one-year Bible works is it takes the whole Bible. And in 365 days, if you read it every single day for 365 days, 
you would go through the whole Bible. So each day there's a section of the Old Testament, there's a section of the New Testament, there's a section from Psalms, and a section from Proverbs. So you can go through all that. And so those readings are listed there at gccweb.org slash faithwalkers-journal. Or you can go straight to the source, oneyearbibleonline.com, and they will each day have the daily reading. So there's a couple ways so that each one of you can do it. That's our goal. I hope you will take that on. That's how you can do it. Second goal we have is that each person would be sharing the word weekly. See, it's great to take the, take the tool and apply it to our lives. But remember that command, teach others. There's a place where we need to share what God is doing in our lives and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to move in others' lives. So we're going to make room for this on the next four Sunday mornings. The beginning of the message, we're going to have you just circle up with people around you. And again, this is not going to be a legalistic and we're keeping track of who or whatever. And we'll, we'll take a few minutes and there's probably not going to be time for everybody in your group to share. But the idea is that you would come on Sunday morning with something that you read from the Bible that week that you could share with somebody else. And we're going to make room for that. See, we have that room, right? We, we get here at 10 o'clock. We, we start at 10 and people stay late afterwards and we're sharing our lives. But I know, because I do the same thing, how easy it is to get into, how are the Broncos doing? How is your life going? What is going on? Those are, and those are all great things and we love that. But to actually make space to say, what did you read from the Word this week? Here's what I read from the Word this week. We're going to make space for that. And so we're going to do that each week. And so as you're reading this, our encouragement is not just that you'd read it. Now, if you read it, that's great. But our encouragement is that you would write something down. Use the SOAP approach. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It can be a very short thing. See, I brought in my journal just as an example. I don't know if you can see it. I do this same thing. I don't spend hours. I spend minutes. And you can see, I just write... In my journal, just take a little section. I'm kind of graphic, so I'll do diagrams and that sort of thing too. But that's how I do it. That's all you got to do. If you don't have a journal, get a journal. Get a pad of paper. And if you look at this and you go, wow, that, that's a lot. I've never read the Word in daily and that's hard. And in Old Testament and New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs. Well, I would encourage you, pick one of those that day and say, I'm really going to focus on the New Testament. I'm really going to focus on the Psalms and the Proverbs. Something. Baby steps. Next goal, our last goal, is that each person would be starting or growing the discipleship habit of reading the Word. We don't just want to do this for four weeks and move on. We want this to be a pattern that comes into your life and changes it. Amen? Amen. All right. So, we're going to do that. After the service, when I'm done here in a few minutes, you can go and you can pick up a Bible there. If you've got any questions, you can talk to me. But each week, as a way of encouraging you, the message from this stage is going to be one of us, somebody, standing up and saying, here's what I read from the one-year Bible this week. So I can't prepare messages ahead of time necessarily. I'm just just like you. I'm going to sit down, and next week Daryl is going to share here. He's going to sit down this week, and we're going to go through, and we'll do exactly this soap method or something like it so that we can stand here on Sunday and say, here's what God spoke to me from the Word this week. And our hope is that there's going to be overlap 
if we're all kind of reading the same thing, there's going to be things where you say, well, God really spoke to me in that passage, and hey, the person on the stage shared the same thing or shared another aspect of that thing I was even thinking about or something different that connects with what I was thinking about. We're just trusting the Spirit is going to move that way. So, <coughs> in the interest of that, I'm going to do an abbreviated version today. So I'm going to go through three scriptures that I read, and I'm going to give you my soap analysis, if you will. First one from the Old Testament, Exodus 1, 13 and 14 and verse 20. It says this, you see it on the screen. So the Egyptians made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter. And then in verse 20, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. Now remember the story, Joseph dies, the people are, are left there and the Egyptians began to enslave them and make their life difficult. And yet the people multiplied and grew very strong. And so my observation was this. In spite of oppression, the people were blessed. Okay? So what's the application? Well, I wrote it down and I just thought, you know what? I'm going to put it on the screen here so you can see something that comes from my journal. I said this. We can tend to think that a place of strength is only to be found in security, peace, and comfort. Well, it can be. It is not essential. When we become fearful of the future, we should remember the Israelites in Egypt. That God blessed, protected, and multiplied them, even in the midst of harsh oppression. And as I look around and I, and I see the world, I go, oh, I get the sense that greater and greater oppression is coming for people who will say that they are a disciple of Jesus Christ and His Word. And I can get really scared about that. And yet I remember this and say, those Egyptians began to oppress and make life very difficult for the Israelites, and yet what happened? God blessed and multiplied them. If God can do that to them, He can do that to us. And so that's my application from that Old Testament passage. Now let's go to the Psalm. Psalm 22, 22. David, the psalmist, he says, I will tell of your name, talking of God, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. And so my observation from this passage is that David did not keep his praise of the Lord to himself. He didn't just go into a closet and keep it there. He went out and told others about it. He told his brothers in the midst of the congregation. He told others to tell others about praising God. So my application was this. What good is joy or encouragement or blessed news if I keep it inside? We must share the good news about Jesus Christ with our families, with our friends, and with the world around us. And so that was an encouragement to me this week of, oh, don't be afraid to speak. We're not supposed to just keep this joy, this, this blessing, this good news to ourselves. We need to share it with others. So I want to make that my goal. So then my third passage this week I wanted to share with you, Matthew seventeen twenty. Jesus speaking here, he says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now this has always been a very difficult passage for me, because I say this, Did Jesus really mean we could just do anything in faith? Is that really what he meant? 
I think there's truth there, but you really break it down, here's the application I came up with. While there are some in this world who have really taken this to mean that I can just do whatever I want by claiming the power of faith, what it instead must mean when we compare it to the entirety of Scripture is that faith allows me to experience the magnitude of God's power. So what is faith? Ephesians 2 tells us it is the gift of God. It's given to me by God. I don't just manufacture it. I don't just come up with it. Faith is placing my unconditional trust in the sovereignty of God, in God's power, in God's control. As such, what I think Jesus is implying must be that if God intends to move a mountain... I have the opportunity to experience this and join in through faith. And it doesn't require me to have a massive or oversized faith, just a small mustard seed's worth. So there you go. There's three examples of what your reading of the Word could look like this week. And so again, my encouragement there to you is get a Bible Copy on those web addresses and then go to it starting tomorrow morning and read the Bible daily. Take this season and see if God would not establish a habit in you. If you would not find, I truly believe at the end of this, you'll find you have a greater love for God, a greater love for the Word and the truth so that we can stand together and grow together as disciples of Christ. Does that sound like a good plan? All right, I'm going to pray finish the P of the soap analogy here. I'll pray on this. Yeah. God, thank you for your script, the scripture that you have given to us. When I think about what uh, Jesus said. He said to his disciples, blessed are you who believe, but blessed even more are those who have not seen and yet believe. Lord, in some ways that applies to us and yet, on the other hand, we have the Bible first disciples did not yet have the Bible. God, I thank you for giving us an instruction manual that describes for us how we should live, how we should think, how we should act, how we should treat others, how we should operate and connect with other believers, how we should relate to those who don't yet know you. And God, I thank you for these passages of Scripture, Lord, that spoke into my life this week. But I just declare to you that I struggle sometimes feeling like I need everything to be safe and secure so that you can bless and multiply my life. Lord, I, I recognize that you will bless and multiply my life even in times of hardship. I thank you for that. And God, sometimes I want to take your word and your truth and the good news and hide it and not share it. Lord, help me to be bold in sharing and speaking the truth with my family, with this church, with the world around me. And Lord, as we think about faith, Lord, help me not to think of faith as uh, something that is a, a means to an end to, so that I can get my mountain moved from here to there. Lord, help me to really see faith as a way to take the gift that you've given me and and come alongside you and and see great things happen according to your all-surpassing power and your good plan. Lord, as we go into this series, I pray for each one of us that we would have a heart 
to develop a habit, to build a habit, to grow in a habit, to be refreshed in a habit. A habit of picking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and practicing, relentlessly practicing with your Scripture so that we could grow, so that we can be prepared, so that we can teach others to obey your commands. God, I look forward to what you're going to do in my life and the lives of each person here in our church in the coming month as we go through this together. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.